Live from the Nova Home Loan Studios, it's Cofield and Company. I am Steve Cofield. Come on and do it with me. The tight shorts typhoon. I'm like a, a leaf blower. I'm like a wood chipper. I'm like a, a blender on puree. I need you. I am Steve Cofield. 351 pounds, allegedly. Even if he does look like Eric Gregg ate James Tony. Now I'm very angry. With Steve Cofield and Adam Hill. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Weekend Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Friday, 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 a big weekend of playoff hockey and basketball on the way. We're trucking towards the important June 1st date in the NFL. Yep, the NFL never really slows down, maybe in July for a couple of weeks, but a uh, big cut opportunity. It's when you get to shed some payroll if you need to. A lot of the uh, dings against your salary cap go down. So we'll get into Julio Jones being on the market. Looks like that's about 95% sure. That'll be coming up later on. So we're here at Nova Home Loans. Adam Hill is here. Angel's helping out. It's Cofield trending at 2 o'clock. Playing basketball. It's still going on. We got a big game sure. tonight. We'll get to the uh, Warriors and the Grizz in a couple minutes. But uh, last night, nice job. I said the, the Warriors in Memphis, right? Uh, the Wiz make it last night by putting away Indianapolis. Impressive because the Wizards were terrible at one point. I mean, really bad. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I want to give uh, Russell Westbrook a pat on the back. I saw Stephen A. Smith today was like, what's the big deal? You know, the guy's been in the playoffs, you know, many times over the years. And the Wizards are not a terrible organization. But considering where they were, it was a hell of a drive to get into the playoffs. And, hey, we want stars in the playoffs. So, I think even though I can't stand the Warriors, the We Believe 2.0 Warriors, they annoy me. I do want to see Steph in. Um, I guess John Morant would be cool, right? That's an up-and-coming team. But last night you get, and I like the Pacers too, but I don't know what happened to the Pacers down the stretch. Our guy, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, had a great year, but they freaking fell apart. But good for Westbrook. He's in. Yeah, and uh, you know, a team that was under you know 15 games under 500 at one point in the season, the first time since 1997 uh, that that has happened. Uh, just resilient, I guess, is, is, is the word for uh, kind of overcoming that. And you know they've got star power, but uh, didn't all come together uh, at first, and now they find themselves in the playoffs. Probably aren't going to last very long, but they're there. And, you know, that's – I guess it is an accomplishment, I, I think, for uh, for a team where that was where they were. Uh, to get in is, is very nice. And yesterday were just dominant. And I don't know if it was them being dominant as much as the Pacers were just a disaster. Uh, I know a lot of uh, props players were very angry. Uh, at the outcome of the game because all the starters were out by on both sides by the third quarter. And then you have, you have all these props going way under that were headed way over in a game that was like 142 to 115. I think it was off the top of my head. Uh, you would think all the props go over and they don't, they all go under because nobody played more than like 20 minutes. That's kind of crazy. Weird end of the season for the Pacers. Very weird end. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that was part of the, the playing game of, you know, the playing round being, hey, this is cool that there's a playing round. The team still have one last chance to get in. But, you know, some teams that are in that spot uh, have kind of mailed it in already. And I think that you could be looking ahead and saying, eh, what is really the reward to go get, you know, knocked out of the playoffs in just three or four games, or four games, whatever, 
Eh, I don't know. Maybe it's time to go. NBA MVP finalists have been announced. Steph Curry, Jokic, and Joel Embiid. Harden? Amazing, right? He missed a lot of time. He did. He is the MVP, though. I mean, in the end, there's no arguing with that. I thought, you know, with the games he played, he was there. I mean, if you look at the odds board, the Nets went from something like 8-9-1 to one to the favorite. So, that's an MVP. We go by Vegas. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I think, listen, I'm going to be biased to my dubs and Steph Curry. You're a longtime Warriors fan. I got, I got respect that. And, You've been uh, through the hard times. Well, literally the hard time. Last, right, last, year, was, last year was rough. It was rough. Yeah, last year. La- oh, man, what a year last year. <laughs> so you, you, uh, you struggled, man. I saw you down a lot of days. I have never known Tough success as a fan of the Warriors. I've never. Say it again. I've never known success as a fan of the Warriors. You became You're a right. fan last year. You did. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting race for sure. Uh, Jokic has been unbelievable. No, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll see how far he can take this team. Uh, with you know, uh, no running mate really uh, to go along with him. Steph Curry carry the Warriors at times for sure, uh, but I think that there's going to be bias against him from the fact that you know they were a you know number one seed year after year after year and winning titles. Now you're like, well, is it really that impressive to take your team and just sneak into the playoffs as an eight seed? I would argue, yes, it is. Uh, but I think the bias will be there against him uh, in that regard. So I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I want to find out who wins it. I think Jokic will, but Embiid's right there. Tonight, 6 o'clock, you heard it. Grizz and Warriors and uh, We Believe 2.0 trying to get the eight seed, and, and that's going to make the field in the West ridiculously intriguing. Good luck to the Jazz. I mean, I think they'll win, but Steph Curry, you know, he's impossible to cover, and he can go for 50 on any night. So if he goes crazy and hits 10 threes, and all of a sudden you could be looking at you know a competitive series 8-1. Yeah, and then the I mean the West is awesome. Like all these all these series are are great. I mean Portland can't defend anybody, but now you're going to go into a series, you know, with a shorthanded Nuggets team. And so what happens there? I, I I'm I think that's a fascinating series. And as you just mentioned, of you know Jazz Warriors potentially, which is really fun. Suns Lakers. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that for your first round series based on what the Suns did in the in the year and how much of a terrible matchup it looks like for them against the Lakers. Like, that's fun. Like, the whole West is really fun. It's funny. In the NHL, uh, you know, the league is so top-heavy. I'll start off by saying this. Do you like the – the? and they did it – I mean, this year was really a necessity. Do you like moving forward with the – you play in your division and then you advance in the playoffs? Because no. I, I actually I, – I don't know, man. It's weird. Like, I'm watching – you. You're watching Minnesota and VGK last night, and you're like, this is like a conference finals. It's a conference semifinals. Playing in the first round? I mean, it is what it is. That's the format they went with. But, uh, you know, if you have a division that's freaking loaded, and this division is loaded, and there were some other divisions that were awesome too, this is a loaded division, and you got to play uh, in the first round. And, and last night, the way the game unfolded, that was a, a great hockey game. Maybe we're not saying that if the Golden Knights uh, get blown off the ice, but they didn't. But the the level of competition for a first-round matchup is outrageous. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's th- that's what playoffs are in the NHL anyway. I mean, the, the Avs and the Blues? Well, that that's just the Avs are the best team. The Avs have been the best team all year, and you would expect it in the first but, round. Adam, point total, right? Avs, Golden Knights? Same. 
But the, the okay, so then so so the, one the knights because are playing of a, a three because of a stupid tiebreaker. <laughs> then the knights, their knights are in a matchup fighting for their lives, and it's a bad matchup for them. Sure. And meanwhile, we're we're looking at a freaking app series where the games are coming out 300, 350, 380. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's the same. It is the same kind of in the, in the NBA too, though, right? Where I mean, it, matchups are everything, and the Suns have been like the best team all year, and all of a sudden they're a big underdog against the Lakers, who are a seven because they had injuries and the way they got in. Like that's just that's how matchups play out in the playoffs. Sometimes you get bad, you know, bad matchups and bad teams. Like, hey, we don't match up well with them, but we're going to end up playing them, and it's not going to go well. Like you see that happen. Um, I don't, I don't love that. The NHL's been doing that anyway. Uh, they've been doing divisional playoffs for a little bit now, which is it's it's weird. I don't love it. Um, but the the other weird thing here is you don't know which division you're going to play next. Like it's not set. It depends who comes out of the divisions, who you match up with in the next couple of rounds. Uh, so it's it's a weird. Uh, it's a weird format, I guess, but you know, this is what happens. Like you're a two seed instead of a one seed. That's why you play the games all year. And then you're right. It ended up being uh, the difference in a tiebreaker, but uh, that's why the one seed is so important. And we talked about it all year. Yep. Why it was so important for the Knights to get the one seed, because you wanted to avoid that game potentially against the wild or that series against the wild. And they weren't able to, they weren't able to you know, win that, that essentially that Colorado game late in the year was a play in uh, for the one. Uh, and Colorado won the game. And so they're the one, and they get in a much easier, much more favorable matchup here in the playoffs. Well, we'll get to what happened in the first period, and then after that, I mean, your early second period, and the, I thought the Wild came out the first three minutes, and they were kicking ass again. I'm like, I don't, I don't see how this turns around. And it turned around. It turned around in a big way, and the uh, Knights move up to a 2-1 to lead with five unanswered goals. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Put it out to the line. Carlson tips it ahead. Two on one with Marcia So. Carlson closes in, shoots, and scores. William Carlson, four to two Golden Knights. It's Cofield and Company at the Nova Home Loan Studios. Yeah, that was a big one. That was a big one. Aggressive, downhill, William Carlson. Good to see. Finish, and that took the air out of the building. That took the air to the wild. They go on to score an empty netter. They win it 5-2. They scored five unanswered goals after looking just unprepared, ill-equipped in the first period. How bad was the first period? Because by the end, I think they, they got a couple of late shots on goal, but for, for the majority of the first period, they were like two or three shots on goal. I mean, not dangerous at all. They couldn't get the Wild out of their freaking end of the, end of the ice. Well, that, that was actually the thing. Like the wild, It wasn't like the Wild were getting a lot of shots either. They didn't get a lot of shots. They just controlled the action. I mean, I think they only had seven shots in the first it, period. They did. It was 7-4, but it yeah. just felt dangerous the whole time. Yeah, it, that, and that's what it was. It, it just felt like they were threatening a lot more than they were. And uh, obviously, two of those seven shots go in. Three of their eight shots go in. One of them gets wiped off the board, which uh, really becomes the biggest play of the game. Uh, but, yeah, it would just it just looked like they were overwhelmed. Matt Dumba said the other night after you know they went 1-1 in Vegas, he said, you know, this is where we want to be. We are a different beast at home and for the first period looked like he was right like they, they just look like a far superior team to the golden knights and you know i i, I know that uh i was talking to you last night you listened to you know between the first and second period on radio i actually checked that out as well uh it just the it basically was like well down two one now so what do you do what do you do after you're down two one uh you go to go into game four try to get some things going for the next game uh, that's that's kind of what it was. It was resigned to. If you if you listen to Fox Sports Las Vegas, our hockey station, ninety eight nine FM and thirteen forty AM, 
you know, Reeves comes right off the ice. They just got, you know, slaughtered. It's only 2 nothing, but it could have been 3 nothing. could have been 4 nothing. This got slaughtered, and uh, Dan Duva asked a question about, you know, what went wrong, and Reeves listed, like, it was like everything a hockey team can do poorly, <laughs> they did poorly. Yeah. And he was really big on talking about what was going on in front of the net on both ends. Like, we just were not establishing ourselves when we were on their end, and we we were terrible in our end, you know, getting them out front of the net. And then Lawless fires in. He's like, well, why is that happening? Right. And I was like, ooh, okay, good question, good direct question. And I think there are a lot of, you know, if I if I come off the ice, I might be a little bit testy. There's a lot of hockey players. Brad Marchand, if you ask him that, what happens, right? And Reeves was totally professional, and he again went through it. He's like, we're not doing this, 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 and this. And Lawless, something to the effect was like, well, how do you do that? Are you going to do that? Are you going to change it? Reeves like we're gonna do our best and he went on you know talked about it but yeah I mean they knew they knew I saw the TV side I forget who who uh stepped up to do the interview with Stormy and it was the same thing it was just it was a terrible terrible period and then as we said they came out for the first three minutes I thought about 17 is when it started to turn in the uh second period I thought the wild were doing the same thing doing whatever they wanted to open but uh you were saying what uh, during the break who stepped up and kind of Gave him a freaking tongue lashing. It sounds like it was Mark Stone. There also was some some you know stories that maybe Robin Leonard gave a big speech between periods. Uh, but Mark Stone, obviously being the captain, uh, is the one that has to do it. And Mark Stone, by the way, was awful in the first period. Uh, we're talking about the team. Why being was he awful? awful? Just he wasn't he wasn't moving his feet, wasn't being involved. He was just he was out of the action, and he wasn't like he usually is. I mean, to me, Mark Stone is like watching him every day. He's the best player I've ever seen play that close up all the time. I mean, obviously Conor McDavid and, you know, guys like that that do other things. It's just an all around hockey player, you know, that overcomes the fact that he doesn't have that elite level speed and all these other things, like just doing it every day consistently. You're like, wow, this guy just, he's always involved in everything that they do practice games, everything. And then you see him in the first period, like, what is he even doing? Like, who is that guy? And he comes out, apparently gives a speech in the locker room. And then more importantly, Scores a goal, gets involved, and that is really what you know what jump started things and got things going in the other direction. I think when you know you are you are outplayed that badly, we saw it in the first and second game too. The team that played the best in the first period in games one and two lost both games, <laughs> and part of it was that they really weren't taking advantage of it. You know the the Wild played an unbelievable first period in game two, didn't score a goal. The Knights were completely dominant in the first period in game one, didn't score a goal. And I think when you do that, when you have sustained pressure and you're that good for that long uh, and you don't put the game away, it becomes very dangerous. And I think that's what happened with the Wild, where they were so much better for the first you know, 23, 24 minutes of that game. They were so insanely dominant. And then you're looking you're like, it's 2-1? How is this possible? Yep, deflating. And, of course, the, the third goal, the decision to challenge it. Brilliant. Yep. Did you see it? Not at the moment, no. Because here, here no. you know, the thing is, that, like, it, I don't really think it resulted in the goal. No, it wasn't relevant. Because you saw, you basically saw a scramble with four people, uh, you know, against the glass. And then I forget who the hell came out. Was it Kaprizov? Whoever came out um, of the scramble. But it didn't feel like, like there was some big advantage because it was offsides and then immediately went against the glass but yeah when you watch it on replay it was clear oh yeah it was it was clear but it was it was certainly not relevant to the play that was very much before the start of yeah. the play it was the, it was the work on the yeah. glass that set him up yeah and so 
you know, it, I, I think it, it kind of went unnoticed a little bit because, you know, in general, because it didn't, it's not like, you know, not like a, one of those offside that like led to scoring a goal. It just was a technicality essentially. So for the Golden Knights to notice that, yeah, when, it, when it's, it's not relevant to the play, it's violation is insane. They got a keen eye. Yeah. So they overturned. I mean, that was massive. That was massive in terms of the momentum shift. And then from 17 on down in the second period, they were just, it was ridiculous. But and by the way, the, so decision, the decision too, just to, to go back to it, because it's not like, it's not like you just throw a flag and you're like a challenge flag. And you're like, well, let's, let's see what happens here. Like if you don't get that. And, and I think part of it was you kind of understand how, how massive that goal is, but by, by challenging it, if you don't get it, you give them a power play. <laughs> so now you're it's three nothing, all the momentum going against you. Maybe they <laughs> score again, it's four nothing. Yeah. But I think they also I think part of the part of the calculation is hey, we trust our video guys that are like that are telling us it's offside. But at the same time, like what do we have to lose? Three nothing, four nothing, five nothing, it's probably over anyway. Like it doesn't even matter anymore. We have to make sure this stays at two nothing. And and they did. And a great decision there. Uh, to to do that and to trust your your staff and to you know w- be willing to risk it. It's so crazy too the turn where you get four shots and it didn't even feel like they got four shots in the first and then you go on a twenty two to five run in terms of shots. I mean, it seemed like the Wild had no shots for the longest time. They yeah. were stuck on fourteen shots for forever in the third period. It was over eight minutes. It was crazy, and and you know we've kind of seen that. Like I said, we've seen it in, in all the games. We see the momentum kind of shift, but the difference is the Wild actually got rewarded for their dominance in the first period, and still were not able to win. The first two games, the, the dominant team weren't wasn't rewarded for all that action. Golden Knights are still not healthy, so they needed some guys to step up and guys who like hadn't been around forever. Yeah, Patrick Brown, who we learned after the game tore his hamstring not too long ago. You didn't know that. I mean, that wasn't on the injury the, report. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to do your not, laugh every time I ask about injuries and just ha 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 ha? That was that a week to week lower body injury? Day to day lower body. Day to day. Torn hamstring. Day-to-day. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, we're, we're kidding, folks. It wasn't. They never said torn hamstring. No. Uh, so, you know, he he comes into the lineup uh, with with no uh, no sick out there and, you know, not only contributes, <laughs> scores a goal, plays well. And then Nick Holden, who gets plugged in on, on the defensive side, he comes out there and gets two assists. I mean, he's a guy who's just a steady player. I, I think a guy who's a veteran who could have sulked about his role this year and and pouted about it, but that's not really in his nature. He's just a, you know, a, he's a pro, but he's also just a pretty good-natured dude who I think is good to have in the locker room even if he's not playing. And filled that role all year is just kind of the, you know, the veteran presence, and then when he's called upon, you know, had some struggles defensively, especially early in the game, was part of part of that issue of the Wild completely dominating. But you know, settles into the action a little bit, gets two assists, and uh, is a a very key contributor to the to the win. I mean, to have guys like that that you're able to just plug into the lineup that haven't played in forever uh, is a huge luxury that this team has. You're on the Wild beat. I am. You love the Wild. I know there's some fans who are like, you're covering the Wild. Yes, I am. Yes, that's an assignment from the paper. We have a bunch of people on the Knights, and then we have someone on the opposition. It goes back to your days when you used to cover and love BYU in the West Coast Conference Tournament. You'd get crap like, are you a BYU fan? It's the beat. That's my team in the West Coast Conference Tournament. So from the Wild standpoint, were they complaining about some of the penalties? 
they were they weren't compl- well they said they hadn't seen the penalty so they don't know okay they were saying you know when when from the golden knight side it was hey we just got better you know after this we got better when the second period started but what the wild said is you know even though we even though we were able to kill off all the penalties us committing so many penalties is the issue because it, so often in the game their rotations were completely thrown off by having their penalty kill unit out there. And, you know, Dean Everson, the coach, said, I, I'm not complaining about the penalty calls. I don't know yet. I'll, I'll see them in the, on So it was really we'll, looking in the mirror we'll and determine. going, we got we to eliminate this stuff. Yeah. If they're would, valid, we got to stop this. Sure. And, and just saying, you know, you might not you might not think the penalties were a big deal because they went 0 for 5 on the, pen, on the power play. But they were a big deal because not only were we shorthanded because Johansson got hurt early in the game and couldn't play anymore. They were down to 11 forwards. Uh, but also... Uh, we had to, you know, deal with ten minutes of just having penalty killers out there, and then that threw off our rotations the whole rest of the game. So, you know, not certainly not an excuse. Just that, that's the explanation of, hey, this is what happened. We, you know, we did not have our rotation set because we could not get of our own way and stay in, stay out of the penalty box the entire game. And those ten minutes of killing off penalties might not look like a big deal to you in the box score, but they were massive. Game four, five o'clock tomorrow. That'll be on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On the way back, uh, more injury updates, including what the deal is with uh, Johansson, uh, also uh, Parisi, and what's happening on the Vegas Golden Knights side, and that scary incident last night with John Tavares. Get that mortgage tuned up right now. 877-700-NOVA is the number to call at Nova Home Loans. Ben Sherratt. Hit Tavares, and he has not moved. Oh, boy. Uh, he's Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they got to get somebody out there. Medical people are coming onto the ice. John Tavares and Corey Perry is standing there with his hands open like nothing happened. It's Cofield and Company at the Nova Home Loan Studios. Well, I mean, something happened. But I think he was holding his hands out like, I didn't mean to do that on purpose. It was a split-second deal where a guy's trying to pass someone who's on the ice and his knee drilled him in the face. But what unfolded after that? I mean, is there anyone who watched that and they're like, he did that on purpose? No. No, not a split second. In fact, it looked like what happened is that he was trying to avoid him and Tavares moved into the path of where he was trying to avoid him. It was just one of those really, really unfortunate incidents. That reminded me of uh, there's many football hits that are penalized during the season and you're like, someone cannot contort change their body motion in a split second once they're moving flag sometimes you can't avoid it yeah sometimes you get drilled in the face with a knee and i feel bad you know like apparently Tavares is okay you don't want someone's face caved in but what happened after that was kind of traditional hockey goonery that i think was celebrated by some yeah that you know not only is he out there like sad that it happened and like oh this sucks can't believe that you know this just you're, you're watching you're like that's a friend of mine by the way they're friends just just to be clear about the story not uh, anymore friends yeah exactly bruno sammartino larry zabisco well, um, that would be mentor mentor and student and student turning on mentor so yeah. bad wrestling reference to hockey it was good uh but there you know he's he not only has to watch and feel awful about what just happened uh but now he's got you know nick felino uh, skating over, and it's, it's Corey Perry that uh, that accidentally need 
Tavares in the head. But now he's got Nick Foligno from the Leafs coming over and saying, well, you know what we have to do now? He essentially, like, that, who knows what the exact conversation was, right. but that's how they related it, that he just skated over and said, well, you know what we have to do now? We got to fight you because of that. And then they fought, and then Corey Perry didn't even fight back because it's, you know, code or whatever. Like, hey, I deserve this. So he just, like, took his punches. It's a really, it's such a weird, nonsensical silliness of, like, hey, you want to make this argument from the past of you're patrolling the game and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're making sure these things don't happen in the sport. You're taking the big hits out because, you know, you're going to have to answer to it if something happens. Well, okay, make that argument. I don't necessarily agree with it all the time, but make that argument. That's fine. When there's an accident on the ice, let's let's not be Neanderthals. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. And I'm, I'm not. You just like, don't understand the game. I feel like I'm trying to defend Tony Larusa here too. You don't understand the game. I'm, I'm not eye for an eye. There's payback. There's I'm unwritten not, rules. I'm not saying ban fighting or anything like yeah. that. Like it happens. It's part of the game. Like people love it. And there is there is an element. You know, I I actually watched that. Uh, I think it's still on Netflix. There's a documentary about enforcers, like old school enforcers in the NHL. Right. I think it's called like uh, Ice Guardians or something along those lines. I can't remember. Um, but it, it made it made a pretty compelling case for why it's it's a vital part of the game and why, um, you know, you you don't in in leagues where they've tried to ban fighting, you see a lot more headshots and things like that. So um, it makes some sense uh, why that's still a thing and why it's part of the game and why it should be a part of the game. Like there is an argument to be made. But not when it's an accident. Not mm. when it's clearly an accident. Do the Wild have to kick someone's ass for uh, Johansson breaking his arm? Apparently. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Is that gonna, are we going to see that in the next game? Because um, he does have a broken arm. He just yeah. had surgery today. Which, yeah. you know, on a play, with, which I, I don't know. I didn't see a trip, but it was close. He moved the puck into his skate. He stepped on the puck and fell down. Yeah. Got hurt badly. I mean, I, I guess they should have fought. That's what you're supposed to do, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, I, they don't play the game. That the right was, way. There was a there was more of a case, even though it, it, you know it was very borderline. There's more of a case to fight there than there would be to fight. An, an right. There actually was a. There was. It, it could have been a trip. Yeah. Not an inadvertent knee to someone's face when you're trying to get by him. Now we're gonna beat your ass. Right. It just it makes no sense, and it, it's why you know those are the things that do give credence to like why is they're still fighting. Like if, if you want to. If you want to preserve fighting in the game and you want to continue to have these arguments of why it's a good thing, then you need to remove it in those cases. Busy schedule tonight. We've got uh, the Aces right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, back up at Mandalay. First time in like 600 days. Pretty yeah. crazy, right? Almost two years. They're back. Uh, we got Raiders news to get to. Uh, defensive player released. We'll get to that. Um, good convo coming up at least i expect it to be right i'm excited we have a cameron curl who believe it or not was the seventh round pick a year ago mark mcmillan has worked with him over the years and now he's in the nfl football team took him in the seventh round and it looks like they have not only a starting safety he could play either safety position probably play some cornerback he's 6'2 200 pounds and like you know just like everyone else football team's already at work so coming up next mark mcmillan our football insider with myself and uh, football teams cam curl Cofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should, too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments. 
Today's conversation with Mark McMillan is presented by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. It's that time of the week. On a Friday, we talked to our football insider, Mark McMillan, who played with the Eagles and Chiefs and Niners and Saints. And Mark, we've got a special guest today. One of the guys you worked with over the years. Now he's on the verge of turning into a star in the NFL. Seventh round pick a year ago. Seventh round pick and wound up starting a ton of games for the football team and had nearly 100 tackles. Today on Cofield and Company, we've got second-year player Cameron Curl. Yeah, man, we got Cameron Curl on. Uh, so it's, it's a blessing, man, to be able to see this young man uh, defy the odds. It seems like every time I get a young DB, a couple of weeks ago we had Alex Moden, who was drafted by the Titans. Uh, now we have Cam, who was drafted last year uh, by the Washington football team. You know, after them, you know, after him, you know, foregoing his senior season, you know, taking a chance on himself and betting on himself and, and relying on what he's known. So uh, definitely appreciate you being on, Cam. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all for having me. So tell me a little bit, man. Like I said, I've been following your career since high school. Me and your dad uh, are really close, uh, so close that he's even buying some of my meat packs. Yeah, man, your dad, your dad's a big, uh, big fan of you as, as well as your mom, man. I love to see kids. Uh, who a lot of people really don't know about, and then, you know, obviously make a big splash, not only uh, in high school, uh, but just give us a little background about, I know you're a huge Oklahoma fan. I know Baylor was Baylor was on you hot. What made you choose Arkansas? Um, It was really coming out of my senior year, I was stuck on wanting to play in the SEC because as I believed, I was like the top conference in college football. So I was, in my mind, to be the best, I wanted to go play against the best. So I had two uh, SEC offers, Arkansas and Ole Miss, and then I had went on my Arkansas visit, and then just I really just like fell in love with the whole place, and it just felt like home. So I went there, and made the right decision. I, I enjoyed my time in Arkansas, and, and a lot of grilling, a lot of pig, a lot of barbecue. I'm not, I'm yeah, yeah, a lot. Of like I I've been following your career uh, for a while. Just take us through the draft day process and seeing a lot of guys that you knew that you were better than. Yeah, the third day came around and I just wanted to hear my name called. Got to uh it really got to like the sixth round. I started getting calls about undrafted free agency, you know, teams started calling me. And that really messed me up a little bit because I'm like, dang, I'm not gonna get drafted. <laughs> but uh I was really on the phone. Uh, one of my old Arkansas teammates, we was just talking about it. And then a Virginia number popped up on my phone. And I was confused because I, I don't know a football team in Virginia, you know. <laughs> but I answered it. And it was Coach Rivera, you know, he was on the phone telling me, you know, they were about to pick me. You know, I was just telling him, like, I'm ready to come. Like, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, you know. And then I got up there and it was history after that. So, so for both of you guys, for Mark and uh, – we got Cam Curl on with us from a football team and watching a football team. What's it like when you first show up when you're – Mark, you were a 10th rounder, right? Yeah, yeah I'll, you, they you, don't even have those rounds anymore. They don't. <laughs> but like, what, so what's it like when you're a 10th rounder or 7th rounder? Like for you, Cam, when you first show up, I mean, you're fighting and scratching and clawing just to make the freaking team. So what's the vibe when you first come in? It's not that bad, I would say, because in my mind, I was just already set. Like, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make the team. Like, I'm going to make sure – I'm going to do everything I can do. So if I, even if I don't, I'm going to know – I did everything I could do, so I didn't really go up there uh, feeling, like, sorry for myself or nothing like that, you know, because – and our, our coaches were preaching, like, it doesn't matter how you got here, it's the fact that you're here, and if you can stay here, you know, it don't matter 
where he was picked in the draft or if he wasn't drafted, you know. If you can play, you can play. So that's all I want to show him that I can really play. Not don't matter where I got drafted. Hey Mark, how do you make when you're when you're picked a little later? How do you make a mark in the 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 first practices without being disrespectful to the veterans? Uh, I, I, I we had Freddie Barnett uh, on the uh, podcast a couple about a couple of months ago, and Fred was all pro. And you know, coming from Alabama, like I said, I brought everything I had at Alabama. You know, I didn't have too much clothes, but I brought my suitcase. And you know, like Cam said, I just had a mentality. I figured, like, man, I played two years in the SEC. I was a starter. I was all SEC. So there's nothing really that I that I that I hadn't seen that I can't you know uh, get over. And I, I came in with a chip on my shoulder. And uh, even in minicamp, you know, I think it was right after the draft. You go there for three days or something like that. And I was fighting, really physically fighting with Fred Barnett every single time we went one-on-one. And, you know, some guys were, you know, the veteran guys was like, man, slow down. I'm like, no, I'm not trying to slow down. I'm trying to make the squad. And, you know, Eric Allen and Reggie White and all those guys were like, yo, young fellow, you know, slow down. That's Fred Barnett. In my mind, I was like, I don't give a damn who Fred Barnett is. Like, I'm trying to make this squad. Like, Fred's going to be here. You know, I'm not going to be here, be here. So that mentality – uh, obviously, playing in Philadelphia took on that mentality, you know, the way they play the game and the way the city is. And, you know, I was able to uh, to make the, make the team as a special teams player. And I didn't have any plans of going home. Not No no plans. And like I said, whatever I put on film, I figured if Philadelphia don't keep me, then somebody else is going to appreciate what I put out there on film. Cam, does that sound familiar? Yeah, it's, a lot, it's real familiar. <laughs> like that's the mindset you gotta have though coming in late round you know you can't feel sorry for yourself i was gonna say when during the season cam did you kind of feel like all right now i've arrived now i'm really part of the rotation like was there a game was there a moment was there a tackle was there a play uh it was during tra- training camp i'm not gonna say like i arrived but uh when they put in the buffalo package for me the big nickel package then i started thinking like all right they really they like how i play like they want me on the field you know but then uh, when Landon got hurt, uh, that first game against the Cowboys, it was just like it wasn't. I wasn't able to, you know, think. Am I in the in the rotation? Like I'm in the rotation now. Yeah, like next May, like, like you better be ready. <laughs> yeah, gotta be ready. Like no, I feel like that. Just that. Uh, and then my first start against the Giants, I was really just when I got to start. When they told me I got to start, it was just I, I I didn't want to be the guy who makes the defense downgrade. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to come in and it's like, oh, we got him. So now the defense downgrade, like, I didn't want that to happen. So I was just going out there doing everything I could do. Not only did Cam excel in his rookie season, he had to excel in a year with COVID where you basically yeah. couldn't go out. You had to follow all these rules. I mean, how glad are you, Cam, to maybe be past all that stuff and now the masks are coming off and maybe the protocols are going to drop? That must have been an incredible – crazy experience to come into the league under all those rules yeah yeah it was weird you know it was weird i feel like but since it was like my first season i never like been through your experience a regular nfl season so like the older guys are telling me like it's weird especially training camp like we're going back to the hotel to do zoom ins and they like i'm lucky because we we're gonna be in the meeting room all day if it wasn't for covid you know what i'm saying but it, it was weird, you know, having to uh, get you tested before going into the uh, facility and stuff like that. But we, we worked through it. And what's it like now? You just had a meeting a little while ago, right? Yeah, it's saying Zoom meetings. Y'all still doing Zoom meetings? We start OTAs next week. They said it might be, it might, uh, they might let us do it in person. 
Uh, I, I just want to congratulate them, man. Like I said, I get excited when I when I follow these kids from high school and and to college. And you know, not a lot of people be you know when I'm sitting out tweets and talking about people like, man, get off these kids, jock. I was like, no, I'm a fan of the game. You know, I, I will I will always uh, be a fan of the game, especially guys like Cam who've come through the ranks. You know, a lot of people didn't expect him to, to be in this position, and now he's here. And uh, I look for for a big thing. In my opinion. He should have been, you know, right there at, with the defensive rookie of the year. Obviously, Chase was on a different level. But when you're talking about defensive backs in your class uh, mm. and what you were able to do over the year, I, I and I'm not being biased, I picked you to be one of the best defensive backs in that class. And uh, that's just a testament to you, uh, your work ethic, your family, uh, you know, your coaches, and, 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 you know, just being a professional. So, you know, if I can give you any advice, man, just continue to be professional, uh, continue to work hard. Don't take any play for granted. Uh, you know, just stay on the grind, and you're going to be successful, man, in this league for a long time. I appreciate that. It means, you know, it means a lot coming from you. You know, everything you've been able to do in your career, you know, it means a lot. Hey, Cam, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for carving out a few minutes for us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. There you go. Cameron Curl, who's on the football team, and maybe you don't know the name, but like he said, he had to step in early, Mark. Because yeah. of injuries, and he had nearly 100 tackles. That was a seventh-round yeah. pick. And mm-hmm. I think the great thing about him in terms of his future, he sounds like the kind of guy who can play both safety positions and probably mm-hmm. corner in nickel situations. Like, his his future is so freaking bright because his flexibility, and he's all, like you said, he's a massive dude. Yeah. Yeah, players like that, you know, usually you go from corner to the back end later in your career. But he can play down in the box. He can play back uh, at the safety position. He can play outside on the corner. Uh, you know, standing six two, probably he's probably two hundred pounds now, and and he can run and he's very physical. Uh, so you know, it's rare that you can get a player like this that can you know play different roles. And you know, like I said, the, the, the whatever you want to call them, the team in DC. You know that they're definitely uh, going to be a force uh, to reckon with, and uh, he's going to be a big part of that success. Switch sports. I got to get your take. Mark McMillan's with us, our football insider. It's brought to you by Weed Sellers, C E L L A R S dot com. Weed Sellers, best in bourbon, beer, and wine. Go up to weedsellers.com. Uh, what do you think of the heroics in the Lakers game? Good back and forth game. Steph Curry was really good at times, but LeBron, when he needed to, made a freaking bomb and they won the game and they played great D. Oh, man. You know, I'm a Laker diehard fan, man. Being from LA, I was going back and forth between the Laker game and Chicago PD. I was, like, nervous, man. I'm sitting here biting my fingernails. I was, like, looking at all this bourbon I have on my shelf. Like, you know, should I take a shot of this? But uh, what what they were able to do, man, obviously, you know, this is their first time all playing together as a unit uh, with AD and Dennis Schroeder, uh, you know, and LeBron. Uh, you know, so that game was amazing. And Steph Curry, I know the Joker from uh, Denver, you know, got off to a really good start. Embiid is doing good in Philly. But what Steph Curry is doing – is unbelievable. It's like he has a magnet on the rim because everything it seems like he throws up goes in. So it was a great matchup. I feel sorry for the uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies because they're going to get a pissed off uh, Steph Curry that they're going to have to deal with. It was a playoff intensity too. I know it's a play-in game, but you could feel everything was ratcheted up. I know you watched the uh, the Wizards and the Celtics the other day while the Celtics in the end won the game. Did you think it, they were a little too friendly after the game? You thought there was maybe a friendly vibe? Uh, oh, my goodness. I thought these guys were going to start sharing flowers and roses and candy with each other after right. the game. Everybody's <laughs> hugging, giving each other dap. I'm like, 
I, I know it's a diff, different era. I know these guys. We grew up with guys that we played against too. But there is no freaking way I'm going to exchange a jersey with a Raider fan or a Raider player or anything like that. These obviously through COVID you can't swap. But if it wasn't COVID, these guys would be slapping, jer- swapping jerseys, hugging each other. Like, no, I'm trying to take your freaking head off. I'm trying to make it to the NBA Finals. And it's too lovey-dovey. And I'm sure uh, any Boston Celtic fan, if you're a real true Celtic fan, you got to be looking at these dudes like, there's no way Magic and Bird is shaking hands and giving dap after any game. Heck, they didn't even like each other in the offseason. <laughs> these old school guys, these old school guys. So what happens when you guys get together to play golf? Still intense, or now you guys hugging it out? Uh, it's still intense. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys are still, like, you know, talking trash. You know, I played with Christian Okoye the other day. Uh, Warren Moon was there as well. And, you know, going against these guys, and they're, like, they're still giving it to each other. We're still jabbing each other. And, you know, it, it doesn't stop. But uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today. He's like, you know, well, why don't you get Mike Irvin on the show? And I was like, you know, Mike's cool now. But I didn't like Mike for a long time. And Mike didn't like me either. But – you know, cooler heads will prevail, but guys will always talk trash no matter what. You were playing golf in where, Kansas City? I was in Kansas City uh, supporting the third long foundation. Uh, Derek Thomas, you know, obviously everybody knows he passed away, but Neil Smith is taking it over uh, along with Tim Grunhardt, who was our offensive lineman uh, while playing with the Chiefs, who will be having his number uh, going to the ring of fame this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it was good just to see a lot of the uh, former players uh, obviously, I was on the on the nice side of Christian Okoye now. Yeah. <laughs> Back when I played, I was on that nightmarish side of Christian Okoye. So, you know, just talking to him and, you know, getting his inside. He's like, man, you just you used to talk so much trash. I just wanted to smash you like a little gnat every time we played you. <laughs> uh, how was the trip back? I uh, I saw a tweet about uh, some belligerent uh, fool on the plane with someone all hammered trying to get back here. Oh, before we even got there. You know, coming from Vegas oh, to okay. Kansas City, uh, they said the guy just passed out. You know, I'm like, come on, bro. His boys were sitting there laughing at him. The paramedics are carrying him off the plane. Oh my God. They got his golf bags off the off the. I was thinking like, this is what it's going to be like after every game. Oh my here. God. Whoever plays the Raiders. Yep. The, the people that's going home, those airline stewards better get ready and put some earplugs in because it's going to be rowdy on them planes going home. You got to eat, man. If you're going to drink, you got to make sure you're eating. I saw what you were cooking the other day. Uh, you were doing some red beans? I did some red beans, man, that, that's been simmering. Uh, you know, I, I had to fast forward, you know, because the red beans was taking a little while. So I had to, you know, I had a smoked chicken on that I made as well. But the red beans and rice, baby, stay tuned for them pitches. It's going to be delicious, Steve. I'm telling you. What'd you do with the chicken? Did you do some uh, lemon pepper chicken? I did a little lemon ch- pepper chicken, uh, you know, marinated in uh, a little bit of beer. I always use beer to marinate my marinate my chicken. Uh, as well as my tri-tip. So, you know, just add a little lemon pepper, uh, smoked it for like three and a half hours at 225, and it came out juicy, man. When you open up that breast, you would think you was in a strip club, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Why the beer? What does the beer do? Beer uh, breaks it down a little bit, and it gives it that extra tenderness. Uh, Actually adds a little extra marinade to the the meat as well. So you get a little bit of the beer taste in it, but you don't get a lot that's going to overpower it. So I learned that from uh, my buddy in, in California. We call him Thudy. You know, he, we call him <laughs> Thudy. He always marinates his uh, tri-tip and chicken. I was like, man. So now I'm just trying to, you know, perfect what he's been doing over the years. That's awesome. Well, we're glad you're doing well. You're back for a little while now, back in Vegas. I'm, I'm back in Vegas for a little while, man. I'll start training kids again today. 
Um, you know, one of my kids, Rashad Tanner, who walked on uh, to UNLV and actually made the team as a walk-on awesome. uh, during the tryout. So I get a chance to train him today as well, as well as some kids from Bishop Gorman who has some real big Power 5 offers on the table as well that has UNLV offers also. So I'm excited, man, to get back to training these kids this week. All right, Mark. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it, Steve. Mark McMillan, our football insider, the former Eagle and Chief, with us here on a Friday. Three o'clock hours on the way. We'll have a quick challenge with a couple of videos, and we'll see if either one will make you laugh. Mark McMillan on ESPN Las Vegas is brought to you by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for an outrageous selection of wine, bourbon, and beer. And make sure to ask for Weed Cellars at your liquor and grocery store.